Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the world's first Paul Weller fan podcast. I'm Dan Jennings, a former radio presenter with one big regret – Never getting to interview a man whose music has rocked my world for as long as I can remember. The legendary British musician, Paul Weller. This podcast exists purely to solve that issue. Welcome to Desperately Seeking Paul. Well, that's not strictly true. As my wife pointed out since our last episode, this podcast also exists so that I have someone else to talk to about Paul during lockdown. Now, this week on the podcast, a real highlight for me, and I hope you enjoy it too. Back in June 2008, Paul released another masterpiece, 22 Dreams, his third chart-topping solo album after Stanley Road and Illumination, a thing of beauty, summed up perfectly by that cover, a collage of seasons at Black Barn in Ripley, Paul Weller's studio and HQ. So my guest this week on the podcast is artist Tim Shepard, Weller fan, former Go Discs employee, and the creator of that wonderful piece of art that formed the cover of the album. Hey Tim, this is an absolute joy. Where in the world do we find you right now? It's great to be here. Based in London, and uh, I live in Notting Hill. Oh, lovely. And I, I've had a place here since uh, the late 80s. Does the Hugh Grant, Julia Roberts movie reflect real life there? That was kind of the, uh, the turning point uh, here. <laughs> and I remember when they were filming that, and that was kind of the turning point where, where things began to change quite a bit. And suddenly my very, very rough, dodgy street became incredibly desirable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And is your art studio there as well? So are you That's kind of- right. Yeah, it is. So I, 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 I work and, and live here and I'm bringing up a 10-year-old uh, daughter. Yeah. Oh, fabulous. Um, I've got a six-year-old and a four-year-old, two boys, and um, lockdown has been chaos, <laughs> been chaos yeah. stroke. Interesting. Has that been yeah, that first lockdown was, was pretty intense, but I quite loved it. And we sort of got into a good rhythm and we went for long bike rides and, uh, and she was doing her thing and I was doing my thing. And uh, we've got a good little system going. The second 
one has been much easier, of course. With yeah. I've hardly even noticed it, in fact, because yeah. I rarely go out anyway. So, well, you say that. I mean, so much of your work <laughs> seems to be kind of inspired by the outdoors and the outer space. Mm-hmm. So that must have been hard through lockdown of kind of not. How, how do you work as a creative without that inspiration? Yeah, no, it's brilliant because I I did you know in my sort of exercise period I I could go out and uh, with my uh, cine camera and do bits and pieces. And so it's really when like I said I don't go out. I don't like go out to pubs or or clubs or, or things <laughs> so much these days. But wandering around, and so London was fantastic during the lockdown because it was so quiet and there were no cars in the street. And it was great for you know for the those kind of this thing I did for for twenty two dreams and those and I've done some cityscapes. I not that long ago I, I finished doing all the Hawksmoor churches in London and the landscape around them. And I don't like having people or cars or anything like that in the shots now. These pictures are made up of hundreds and hundreds of you know individuals so i can normally kind of shoot around it and, and put them together but it was so much easier you know yeah. to get a, uh, <laughs> nobody, you know, a, side, a side of a road yeah <laughs> with no cars parked on it now let's talk about 22 dreams because this mm. is this is up there for me as one of my favorite paul weller albums i have to say there was kind of a period where i mean i love all of them obviously but there was mm. a period where i think for paul he was talking about the fact that he kind of had this kind of creative drought maybe he did a kind of covers album and then there was um the as is now album which i love but maybe people didn't at the time mm-hmm. and he came back and kind of around i think he was like 50 he decided to do a double album and 22 dreams was this was this incredible piece of work with an amazing track list but one of the things i really loved was the cover because it it is Thank just you beautiful piece of work and it's so unique and so different and interesting so i thought i'd love to talk to you about that in a sec but i also i'd love to talk about when did you first kind of discover paul in in terms of his music because i'm guessing it wasn't 22 dreams (laughs) yeah no it wasn't and actually i think maybe it might have been the second album i ever bought uh with my own money was uh setting suns so with the jam and uh and so that's where I, i i first kind of came on board with that then i didn't really follow and i there was while i i was doing music for a bit and uh and doing stuff at uh, go discs and at, at the same time that he was there so i met him a bunch of times at that point and then I, music kind of faded for me uh, my sort of stab at the pop bubble success didn't really work out so that was a really key period and actually what, what an amazing record label that was as well from bands like yeah. head and i mean incredible period of time so so what were you doing there were you an aspiring pop star that's right yeah and i'd i'd had this uh, kind of crazy band uh i put an advert up to form a band and and i did that this is in london when i first come to london and we did that and it was quite experimental and a real really raucous affair but anyway i got quite tired of that and left that band and then started kicking around with a sampler and making kind of what I called at the time sort of pop collage and and sampling these little bits and again piecing these music tracks together out of dozens and dozens and dozens of of samples but kind of making it in a song structure and then with singing and and such. I was doing that uh, for for Go Discs and that's when I first met Simon Dine and who was uh, A&R there at the time and I recorded that all on my own and um, with this sampler and uh, up in a studio in Camden. And I can't remember the name now, but anyway, up there. And then I remember there was this kind of meeting at GoDisks and everyone was sort of there, people from marketing and accounts and everything to hear a kind of rough mix playback. And uh, we played that. And then suddenly at the end of it, everybody kind of had a meeting to go to. <laughs> And, uh, and it was rather somewhat disinterested vibe, and uh, oh, no. or, or a bit of confusion. It was really, it was kind of a little bit out there, and it wasn't really fitting in with what was happening at the time. You know, I spent maybe 
six or nine months recording it. And it was kind of just try this, try this, do this. And, um, and nobody said anything to me for ages. And then um, Andy was running the place. And, and he said, look, you know, this record is either going to sell 2,000 copies or 2 million copies. And we just don't know <laughs> which it is. And, uh, and so the whole thing kind of uh, fizzled out. And so it never, did it ever see the light of day? No, it never saw the light oh. of day. They gave me the, the masters for it and I, and I had those. And I could then take it to uh, another label. But I, I just, I, I lost, uh, yeah. you know, I just thought, okay, this isn't for me. And so I just went back to doing art. And then I'd had around that time and I built a um, eight-track recording studio in my, uh, my flat. And then I just started doing real, just kind of very, very odd experimental uh, music. And I kind of enjoyed that. And some of that is on my website. Amazing. If anyone's interested in well, it's interesting because you're ahead of your time because I think that's, that's one of the techniques that um, Simon and Paul use on some of the later work together. Absolutely. Kind of this, this chopping up of music and things like that, yeah? I, I would say it probably came from the, the, the stuff that I was uh, was doing. Yeah. Simon was really into it and he used to come down to the to the studio, you know, almost every day or, or so after after work and uh, and hang out. And so he really loved it. And I think he was quite, you know, bewildered as to, you know, <laughs> why the rest of the label weren't really <laughs> jumping on it. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> and uh, so I then went back fully to, to doing art, which was my kind of, you know, thing that I really wanted to do. But I, you know, it's all around here and there. And he knew my work and he had seen it uh, in places and, and stuff. And uh, so when it, he was doing that record, and it was kind of cool because I was brought in right at the very beginning when he first had the idea yeah. of doing that album in conjunction with that was for me to do a cover for it. And so I went down to uh, listen to the demos and wow. uh, wow. very early stages and sat with him and listened to oh, about 90 minutes worth of, uh, of stuff. And uh, just quietly him sitting next to me at the, uh, desk and then he asked me so do you feel it and, and i was very very relieved and happy to say absolutely i do i think this is brilliant and uh yeah let's do it the technique that you use for this kind of and this this album is very different you t- and you touched on it a little earlier in terms of sense talk me through that so you essentially kind of take photos you go for a walk you take photos and then you build up these kind of complex collages is that it yeah that's exactly it so i go for a walk and i just snap away at whatever unselfconsciously catches my eye and it could be anything it could be a little piece of paper on the ground and boom, i'll get a picture of that and that will make its way into the uh, final picture so it is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of photographs maybe even several thousand and then those all get kind of cut up now maybe like in that uh, weller one of you know maybe 800 or or so individual oh, pictures eight, um, 800 photos yeah, yeah. Now that could just be like a little patch of ground, or it could be a, a single flower, or or whatever. So, it's and are really you developing up. those? This is not on computer. This is you developing. Yeah, no, I it's a, I use a digital camera, and right. uh, for some stuff, I use a cine camera, and so I can don't have to keep changing the film. I can just keep shooting. But uh, on that one, I I used a, uh, a a digital camera and got them that way, and then I cut them out. Uh, you know, they're on the computer. So I cut them out. I'm with Photoshop. I, I'm very good at cutting out and pasting. And that's about all I use Photoshop for. So a, I have this incredible piece of software, which I just use on the very, very surface. And uh, so I don't change colors so much or do any kind of filters or, or anything like that. It's all what the light was on that when I'm filming. But was so different with that Weller one, because the other ones I do, and it's just maybe once I'll go and I'll go, and then maybe I'll go back one 
attempts to get something at a slightly different angle, I, you know, or, or something so it fits in. But with the Weller one, I went regularly over the year. And so it captures that this landscape around Black Barn Studio, which is a walk that he goes on. So he, he showed me the walk. And uh, we did that. And it's a walk he kind of takes to clear his head or whatever. And then I went down, you know, maybe a dozen times over that year and went and did that walk and then documented it with the uh, with the camera each time. What an amazing story. Wow. I mean, that's just you going back so you can listen to more of the demos, surely. <laughs> and it would always be quite nice to the studio hangout experience, which, yeah, is, yeah. which, is, always, which is always fun. And watching, you know, something being recorded and, uh, and that kind of stuff. And I love a studio vibe in the back and the whole thing it's, and is that that technique something you've just you've invented you've discovered there's kind of chinese elements of it i understand but mm. is it something you've kind of been away and been trained on has how did you know yeah no this? it i just kind of stumbled on it and part of it was uh the thing that got me going on it to begin with was getting a uh, a laptop that you know was sort of powerful enough and then a lack of space and i had a cat at the time as well and i used to do these kind of very complicated things and the cat would run across it and then mess it all up so the computer was a really good means where i could tidy away very easily by spite you know shutting the lid so that's what kind of got me started on that and then the this idea japan does this a lot as well and some of the classical paintings in japan you know hokusai for example would go for these long long walks and uh western art you know positions the the easel or whatever in the landscape and you get this one kind of point of view it's sort of a singular view and it is kind of representational of nature and that was the thing that western art was doing and then in japan and coming from china was this idea of uh experiencing the uh the, the landscape and and uh and all the impressions it makes upon you and those kind of feelings and such and then later returning to that in your mind and creating a landscape from memory and so these works kind of work as a sort of a, a memory in that all the things there are are real, you know, everything was a photograph, but it's completely contrived in in imagination as well. I mean, like some of the, the pictures I do, people would say, oh, I really recognize that place. And I was just there yesterday, but it's not. It's an amalgam of so many different things in that place. And that's kind of how we remember stuff. If you were to think about your childhood home and sort of picture that, and then you were somehow able to print out that uh, picture and compare it to the real thing, it, it would be quite different. So and like a, like your a own impression of memories pulled together. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And these little pieces, which is kind of how consciousness itself is a sort of act of collage the little different things that we put together to create a mental image and the artwork itself is called i think it's called a musician's walk is that right yeah and i had been and i did one around that time as well for the benjamin Britten centenary there was a show in Aldborough, and i was commissioned to do a, a piece of his walk that he would do between snape maltings and and Aldborough, which is a rather lovely walk and it's called the sailor's path and uh and I did that walk. And that was a walk that Britain would do. And then he would transpose to piano his feelings from that walk, which is kind of very similar to the sort of feeling that I'm going for with a, with a picture. And so I, that's one of the ones I did. So I, I was kind of doing these sort of musician's walks at the time and so this one for for weller really fit in love it, well i love it i love the mm. yeah the idea of these kind of hundreds of fragments kind of building up and layering up on a on a computer for this kind of artwork is incredible and and i think one of the things i really love about the album but the link to the artwork is the fact that it's kind of you can hear bits of the outdoors 
on the album yes. and I think parts of it have been recorded more kind of you imagine these kind of so for those that don't know Black Barn Studios is in Ripley in Surrey which is a beautiful part of the countryside it's just around the corner from RHS Wisley where we take the kids very regularly if right. only just to mm-hmm. see a wooden dinosaur um, <laughs> but it's a, a, a lovely part of the world you could hear the album so knowing that background you could hear the album and, the, and essentially the kind of studio doors being opened up to kind of record the outside and the, and the sound absolutely the and it was very much like else. that yeah. For, for a good deal of time. And we talked about that right at the very early stage and, and how the landscape and how the place itself had an impact on the uh, on the recording and uh, and so that was a conversation that we had and and uh, and talked about and such now it must be very satisfying to kind of see that work come together how often did you have to check in with paul in terms of this is what i'm thinking right now and did he have any kind of artistic feedback or creative control at Good all? question and and i and i didn't show him anything until very very close to to where it was finished and uh and then he liked that and and then the final thing that i i brought to him he only had one comment and it was kind of interesting and he loved it and he felt he wanted to live there you know, in this, in this space, that's what he said. And that he could really feel like he could walk through through these kind of gates on the front of the picture and you could walk through those gates and enter into this space. And and he really, really loved that. But he asked me if I could put some kind of religious symbol, like a crucifix or something on the gate as a kind of blessing as you go through the gates. And, uh, and I did that and I had a little uh, crucifix at, uh, at home, took a picture of that. that stuck it on the uh, and you can see if you look closer you'll see there's a little cross I shall look out for that there. in a second what a, yeah. lovely, what a lovely everybody's now listening looking at, looking at their, their <laughs> see if they that. Um, yeah. and that's, that's wonderful and it must also be very satisfying to then kind of um, I don't know if HMV still exists but going to record stores and see that as an album cover yeah it was neat and it got a lot of and because it was a weather album you know it got a lot of posters and a lot of publicity and actually the, the best bit was I went to see him play when he played at the O2 on the tour for 22 Dreams and they had uh, outside this massive uh, digital reproduction of it on a huge uh, screen. And I saw that from a, quite a distance away. And, uh, and that was really kind of neat to, uh, to see. And then they chopped it up a little bit and they used it as a uh, backdrop. Or when he did the BBC uh, show, he had a huge big version of, of it. And that was kind of fun. And, you know, and there I had been, you know, working on this over a year and had been at home. And uh, part of it, I actually, I was down in the Andaman Islands in the Indian ocean for a few weeks and i and some of it i worked on there so here was this english countryside that i was doing in this tropical island and then to see it uh you know being used and out there and yeah absolutely and going into the uh to the record shops and being sure to put that one at the front of the uh, <laughs> of the uh, of the rack <laughs> and also number one album as well that was and it went to number one yeah. that was kind of cool yes <laughs> absolutely one of the things I, I was thinking about today as well ahead of this was um the difference as music has kind of changed the difference between music uh, for music artwork and how that's kind of developed and in a, in a way this is kind of desperately upsetting so you kind of started out with vinyl and these beautiful album covers um and then we've kind of gone down in cassettes and cds um, yeah. and now mp3s so you so your yeah. artwork literally if i'm listening on amazon music is kind of i know it's a, it's a poster style yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I know. And, you know, right at the very beginning, it was known it was going to be a double album and it would be a gatefold and, and these kind of things. And, uh, and on the vinyl version, he didn't want any um, typeface on it. So it's just the picture. So that was printed on the plastic covering. So when you took that off, it's right. just the picture. But here was the annoying thing. The printing of it was, was really 
was the greens were all too too strong on it and they didn't print it and uh properly and uh and i went to his house label didn't send me a a, a copy of it and so i went to his house and he gave me one of the copies he had and uh and he was like oh dying art form you know they just there's no real heart in 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 doing this and yeah not i guess vinyl's coming back though in a big way yeah now so there's some hope but you're right and that kind of relationship between the album artwork and then the contents of the album and that's a really important relationship uh, between those uh, two and I, I i take that very seriously i, I don't do that many uh, covers i've only just done a few and because it, it really it's such a huge responsibility mm. to do something that really connects and with uh with then music and, and that's a, a slightly ambiguous uh connection i think also as an artist there must be that thing of kind of you want credit for your work as well and if you're you know on an mp3 i don't know where you're i don't know where you're putting the name of the artist on that anyway but yeah at least in an yeah. album you can kind of show people and go look i did it my name's there oh sure i mean and that's kind of par for the course it's the same i've done music videos you know and uh, and there you hear about the band's new video <laughs> and there's no mention of the person who uh, actually made it <laughs> <laughs> oh it's an amazing piece of work honestly you should be so proud it's it, I, I've absolutely loved the album, but I, lo- I love looking at it. I love the artwork. I love flicking through. And, but just looking at that front visual is, is such a beautiful piece of work. Is that the picture behind you? Because it looks very similar, but I'm guessing that's somewhere else. Is it? No, what's behind me? No, that's uh, Place Vendôme in, in Paris. Oh, okay. Uh, but that's yeah. the same technique, is it? It, it looks that's like it's the same, the same technique. Yeah. And it's, it's a very... Uh, Place Vendôme, which is the place where couture comes from i mean so if you have a couture collection in paris uh, couture week it's part of it has to have been made in, in place vendome and uh, it's where coco chanel had her studio and things like that now if you've been to paris place vendome it's just one big square so it's a one flat empty uh, space and it's interesting with with couture of course which is taking a flat piece of material and creating volume and, and space with it so it was, it was uh why i did that one it was kind of a similar uh attitude or, or approach to it and to create this three-dimensional space or or it has a lot of little nooks and crannies or volume or whatever out of a basically big empty uh square brilliant, brilliant. Mm. And, and if people look on your website they can see you've done q gardens is one which is again somewhere in um i think technically london but sorry and luna park in new york as well these pictures are just beautiful so where are they all where are the originals are they all in your home where, where's the original for 22 dreams as well yeah uh, um the original for 20, I, I sold that actually somebody uh um uh, bought that uh, and i had done like kind of three well i had done three prints of it one of them well it has on his wall at, at his house and the other one i gave to uh, simon dine who produced it and then i had a third one which George Vajeska from the Bad Seeds. He uh, he bought it and it's hanging in his uh, recording studio. Nice. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, and and the work that you did for Q and and the New York stuff was that a personal project or was that something? That yeah, you yeah. Most of what I do is just I initiate it and and a uh, personal project Brilliant. that gives me a lot more freedom, yeah. <laughs> a lot less stress. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I mean, yeah, absolutely brilliant. So a couple more questions about Paul as well and your work there. Um, mm. Was the O2 gig the first time? you'd seen him live or was was there a period back in the day when you'd bought the kind of setting suns album yeah no i never saw the jam uh uh play and uh i had seen him i had gone i saw him at the um isle of Wight festival oh. i think when lou reed uh played as well and that's always a good what, vibe. what, what a great we've missed those festivals this year because that's always a, a, a terrific one the isle of Wight. yeah i enjoyed that so i watched the isle of Wight festival from from the side of the stage rather than oh wow 
out front. And what period was that have been? So was that, was that around the same time as 22 Dreams? Or was no, that, that was uh, maybe three or, or four years before right. that. Yeah, I think it was Illumination, that album. Oh, I love <laughs> yeah, that. Which, I love that. Yeah, yeah. I saw that tour in Petworth, which again was an outside gig, a big National Trust property. And um, me and my brother front were front row for the entire day waiting for it to start. And then a half an hour before it started, I desperately needed a loo. <laughs> Trying to wrestle your way back through the crowd was impossible. And then get you a brilliant yeah, yeah. spot where you were able to the, get back up front. Exactly. Did get back in time, yeah. But honestly, that was one of my best gigs ever. That I love that. I love that album. I love that tour. It's brilliant. Okay, final couple of questions for you. Um, you can only have one Paul Weller track for the rest of your life. What can it be? It can't be an album because <laughs> you picked 22 Dreams, but maybe it's off that or maybe it's something yeah. else. What would it be? Uh, I, I, would, I think it would be a jam song. And is it that Saturday Girls? Saturday Kids. Saturday Kids. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great tune. How do they girls work in Woolworths and yeah. Tesco's? <laughs> they buy Browsers, clothes because that's yeah, all yeah. they can afford. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Brilliant. When I do finally get to Black Barn and I get the meeting with Paul and we we have a chat for oh, six hours. Um, yeah. What what should I talk, ask him? Is there is there a question you think I should cover? No, but you know he is an incredibly genuine person and and so relatable to you, you very quickly forget that you're talking to you know probably the biggest musician of our generation um in in britain you very quickly forget that he is so relatable and you know communicates very directly and really really sweet guy so they talk about anything but music yeah i mean he's a a library of information about music he's a music fan yeah and those yeah. are always the best uh, musicians you yeah. know so you just can relate as a fan i, mm. I want to know where he's hanging 22 dreams so where that is in in the in the gap i don't know actually i you know around that time because he, he he was living in in house in made avail and then he he moved out from there and then and i never been to his uh, his new place tim it's been so nice to talk to you thank you so much for your time i've, I've enjoyed every second of this oh um, thank you me too and congrats once again on the work it's brilliant um what's what's next what are you working on right now i've i've been doing these uh kind of a quite a new type of work now and doing the uh, and uh, I, I call it a series cover girls and I'm doing these kind of portraits of, uh, of models, but made out of just, you know, hundreds and hundreds of little tiny, tiny flecks of magazine print. So it's in a way it's kind of, it's quite painfully. I kind of peel off a bit of uh, color from a magazine and then rather than a brush applying that to a uh, canvas, I then am sticking that down and they're deeply intricate. So these are kind of, of new things that I, I'm working on these days. Yeah. You love a and challenge. I, and it, <laughs> yeah. And it's always, well, I think it's really important. And in a sense with art that makes it kind of interesting is that time spent with it, you know? And so, you know, weeks, I mean, the, all the work I do, and people ask me, why is it always you do stuff that is so intricate and time consuming? So, you know, I can't be that prolific because it takes me so long to do one mm. piece. And, uh, but I think it's really important that kind of in, intensity of time. It's a little bit like w William Morris spoke about with, uh, you know, furniture making as opposed to a, a factory churning things out and that you actually have that human contact and that, you know, somebody spent ages, you know, shaping that chair leg or, or whatever. And, uh, and I think that kind of humanity with it, that, that time spent with the uh, work is, uh, I feel is kind of important. So yeah, so I, I justify it that way. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much, Tim. Honestly, I've, I've, I've loved every second of this. It's been brilliant. So thank you so much and good luck for the future and, and cheers for your time, Tim. Oh, great. And thank you and good luck with, the, with your podcast. Thank you very much. What a top guy. Next week on the podcast, 
Andy Lewis, producer, solo artist, musician. We talk acid jazz records, blow up, meeting Paul and creating Are You Trying to Be Lonely, to joining the band as basis for 22 Dreams and touring the world. Should be an absolute thrill for all Weller fans, so get it into your ears by subscribing. And don't forget to leave us a review. Give us a retweet and help to spread the word. You can also get in touch with suggestions of guests or your fan stories. It's at Weller Fan Pod on Twitter or Paul Weller Fan Pod on Instagram. Thanks for listening. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.